up, guys? You're listening to the Staying Driven Podcast, a podcast with you in mind. I'm your host, Steph Roach, and I am so excited to be back with you guys. I know it's been a little bit, but on this first episode of Season 2, I sit down and talk with my husband, Ty, and we catch you up on all things that have been going on in our life. We've had some really exciting experiences lately. He started a new business. I'm celebrating being cancer-free, and we even got to be on national television. I'm so excited to share these stories with you and hopefully have some really incredible guests coming up in the next season. So I hope you enjoy this episode, and let's just get into it. Today is a pretty exciting day of all days. Yeah, yesterday was eight years together, and today is seven years of you being cancer-free. This Pretty crazy. Seven years cancer-free. Eight years together. Oh my gosh. Uh, how have you put up with me for this? <laughs> it is one remarkable feat. I mean, <laughs> uh, in eight years, what do you think is the biggest thing that you've taken away about the adaptive community as a whole? They're just people. I mean, everybody tries to make it out to be so much more, but they're just people. They have the same dreams, aspirations, and wants that everyone else does. Just some people on wheels, some people with prosthesis, some people with canes, crutches, or different disorders, whatever. And everybody's still just people. I feel like it's it's so hard for some people to just wrap their brain around like, oh my God, sort of stress so aspiration. Yeah, we're just we're just normal people who don't happen to wake up every day and like want. To just be an inspiration. Um, in our journey through going through cancer, because I always say it's our journey, right? Like, yes, my body physically went through having to go all the through the treatments, um, but we did it together. <laughs> and a lot of people talk about the idea of a caregiver or just being that support system. And it is actually, I think it's caregiver awareness month um i've seen that all over instagram and tiktok lately but did you feel like it was hard for you to kind of find that balance of like knowing how to help or if it was a challenge first off um i am not your caregiver so let's preface with that (laughs) um second um there is nothing wrong with having a caregiver yeah uh it's not the point, um, uh, at least in, in our discussion of this. Uh, we had a discussion very early on about if that ever became something that we would obviously have a discussion and, and work on it as necessary. If we needed to find assistance, we would. Um, and then there's a fine line that we both have as far as what we um, we're kind of willing to accept as a daily life for ourselves uh, without assistance. Um what I learned with the cancer situation was it's just the same thing that applies for everyone, really. Just ask. Yeah. Like, don't be afraid to ask. There's uncomfortable questions, and don't be afraid to answer those uncomfortable questions. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a it's an unfortunate circumstance that everyone around you is going through. Not just you're not just rolling solo on it. And uh, if you don't ask the difficult questions, you're not going to get the answers. Not going to get the help you need. Yeah. I think, too, there's a fine line between celebrating being cancer-free and also feeling kind of like survivor's guilt or like trying to celebrate your specific experience because cancer 
affects so many people. And so many people go through it differently. Some people, unfortunately, aren't always as lucky, right? And so the reality is, like, finding that balance of, like, you don't want to shove it in people's faces because you are cancer-free and you're living a beautiful life. But you also have to recognize that, like, and I think this happened last week. Um, we went to a medical professional for something else. And for the first time in seven years, I had a medical professional look at me. Not my family, not my friends, not people who love me. She looked at me and she legit validated, like, you do know that everything that has happened with your body has been a lot. And I think it was the first time where I was like, I'm even getting like a little emotional about it now because... It was like the first time that a a medical professional said, hey, it's okay to feel slightly insane. (laughs) You know, it's okay to feel frustrated with your body. But my body went through so much. And sometimes I have to remember that. And And we often talk about that the whole cancer situation wasn't just the physical administration of of chemo drugs or hormonal drugs. And also dealing with a lot of different emotional things, environmental things. You know, we both <laughs> we picked up our lives and we moved to different to a different state, and you know, we're just around different types of environments. So, I think that's something that I try to celebrate. Is like I try my best to realize, like, I never want to shove it in people's faces, but I also it's okay to be really freaking proud of both of us because I don't think people realize how much of it also was part of our relationship. Yeah. I mean, we, we really hadn't been together very long and quite honestly, we were both so busy when we met. Yeah. I I honestly think that's one of the things that kind of benefited us though. Yeah. Because the time that we had was so short with with you with work, with me with work, everything that was going on. Yeah. It, it kind of led us to our time together being more, um, to what I'm looking for. I don't know. I, well, we, I would say that we like, we, we spent our time together. Yeah. We're <laughs> yeah. in intent. Yeah. You know, like, like it wasn't just, uh, Hey, what do you want to do? I don't know. Yeah. What do you want to do? We, we did stuff. I think we also had to have very serious conversations very early. I remember the doctor looked at us. She didn't know how long we'd been together. And she was like, hey, you want to start a family? And we were like, we don't know. <laughs> we just learned each other's like favorite colors like three weeks ago. Um, but I think that has really helped us. Um, and it's not to sugarcoat it because the last eight years have been ups and downs. And the last year of our life has been transition after transition, I feel like. Um, but you've. You've dealt with it like a champ, man, because I am i am not an easy human being. So- we were joking earlier about the, the photo or video that Steph found, and this was uh, right after getting the news that she was in remission. And it's it's funny to me because I look at it, and her hair was so thin, her eyebrows were thin, <laughs> and now your hair is back full, and yeah. I'm, I'm losing my hair by the day. Yeah, so eight years together... Seven years cancer-free, I don't think I would change a thing. Um, I'm not necessarily saying I would ever want to <laughs> to get that kind of a diagnosis again, but I'm very glad the way life has turned out as of late. Um, 
let's transition into uh, some really cool things that have been going on. We got the opportunity to go to LA a few months ago to do the Abilities Expo in LA. And that led to us realizing um, accessibility and travel uh, don't always go hand in hand if you don't have an able-bodied person with you all the time. Uh, and what I'm talking about is when we decided to take a road trip and my car stopped working. Um, and remember when we called, I think it was like, we called one of the shops around and their question was, do you have an able-bodied person oh, yeah. um, to help you? So there was a, um, Steph had, when we met, Steph had a caravan, an accessible ramp van caravan, broad ability um, conversion. And they have their problems. They have their issues, just like any other vehicle. Um, the conversions themselves, though, uh, they have quirks. There's a lot of like micro switches and whatnot that make certain functions happen in sequence. And we had an issue where some things had gotten out of sequence. So, um, Actually, no, it wasn't. It wasn't a micro switch. It was the kneeling feature. Yeah, the kneeling. Actually, feature. the the that's a whole nother thing. It, it's a very antiquated design, but the kneeling feature um, broke the chain, and when the chain snapped, it doesn't stop. So it just continues running, and yeah, and the chain just beating the bejesus out of the bottom of the car. So we contacted Braun, uh, their customer service guys and tech guys, and they were like, "Hey, yeah." Uh, first question they asked was, "Do you have an able-bodied person with you?" because the control module is located underneath the back seat. Yeah. And there's no way, even for me, like you have to lean into the back of the vehicle, the uh, pretty substantial ways to be able to get to it. A chair user is not going to be able to do that by themselves. Yeah. Like no way, no how. So you kind of looked at me like, where are you going with this? But there's a reason that I wanted to talk about it. So that led us to, first of all, realizing that I've had the car for 12 years yeah. and I've been very good. Yeah. Dude, it took us to Madison it, how many times? We went... Back and forth to Florida a couple times. Yeah. We got engaged. <laughs> um, you know, we moved across country. Yeah, drove all the way here. Yeah, so, North Carolina to Phoenix. So the reason that I, that I brought it up was for a certain point, and I promise I'm going somewhere with it. But uh, <laughs> um, we, uh, so we realized that we'd had the van for 12 years, and we have been very fortunate to be able to um, purchase a new vehicle. And so uh, I was without a vehicle for about a month almost um, before we decided to to get a new van. And I will say having to rely on transportation when you haven't had to rely on transportation for so long, it was definitely a big eye-opener because you know that a lot of people with disabilities don't have the resources or the um the fortitude to be able to independently drive even, you know, as much as people would love to, and they have to rely on public transportation. So I don't take that for granted, and I'm very grateful that I had the ability to be able to drive. But those three weeks were challenging because I felt like I was reliant on, on you and being able to work around your schedule in the way, you know, that, that, that had to be how life was for for a minute, you know, but we ended up getting a new vehicle and it was a really interesting process as somebody that is a, 
an independent driver and a, a, a wheelchair user, but I wasn't allowed to either test drive the car and I only had about two options to choose from, which I think was a really interesting experience because I don't think when I was younger that I realized like, hey, I'm about to, to buy this new vehicle and I can't even test drive it yet. You know, I, well, there's there's so much more to that. I mean, the 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 fact is, uh, the pricing on accessible vehicles is absolutely insane. Yeah. Uh, especially right now, with current market trends and situations, uh, a new accessible via van, ramp van, uh, you're touching a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, you're literally buying a condo. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's a very expensive. The uh, financing terms are, are insane right now for anyone that's looking. Um, and what makes it even worse is, uh, like you said, for someone who's going, they want to look, well, because everyone's adaptations are different, there is no test drivable vehicle <laughs> in, in the vast majority of circumstances. So, uh, unless you are going to a dealership where they have an employee or someone working there who has a vehicle or a customer perhaps who, um, has one who's willing to allow you to test drive it, you don't get to. So yeah. you're making a $100,000 purchase without ever driving it. Now, in your case, what was even worse was there was one van in the entire country that actually fit the needs of what we needed. And it was in Tucson. Yep. So basically, they wanted us to sign paperwork before you even got to put yeah. eyes on the thing. And I will say that in one aspect, we did get very lucky because... Um, we had uh, John, who worked at United Access, who is a quad. Um, so while I didn't get to test drive the car, he did allow me to try the driver's seat of his personal vehicle. And I thought that was um, at least somewhat of a, like a, a helpful tool just to be able to see how it would feel. But honestly, we know driving with cerebral palsy and driving as a quadriplegic is very different, right? And, oh, it's zero effort. You know, well, yeah. and will put you into the wall yeah. so fast. So I remember... That incredible piece of equipment. I remember, like, turning the wheel, and I was like, oh, my God, that just in park kind of scared me. But um, all this to say that, like, I, the conversation around adaptive driving and accessible needs, it's just... Uh, it's, I know that we sound like a broken record a lot of the time. The community as a whole sounds like a broken record, but things need to change. And I really hope that, you know, we are able to start helping things change. Um, I'm going to use that as a, a transition into what you've been doing lately because I'm super proud of it. I know that, uh, you know, you have a hard time talking about your self and and the things that you succeed at but you started a new company and what is your focus with your new company oh um so i don't know how long ago now probably almost a year almost a year i I bought um i ended up meeting a a a new my friend now brian um through a vehicle transaction and brian's wife uh she deals with some medical issues so we had a lot in common um, we started talking and we're both in a mini trucker uh, in a mini trucking. So we both, you know, enjoy building things just in general. And we started talking about just the, the, um, 
the woes that, uh, of dealing with an adaptive life and all the associated costs and nonsense that goes along with it. So we ended up deciding um, to start another endeavor, start our own endeavor, building accessibility equipment. Um, our main focus is on the stuff that doesn't exist. Uh, a lot of folks, you know, it's there's a lot of great companies out there that build daily chairs, that build, you know, canes, crutches, what have you. Yeah. They're great pieces of equipment, but they're universal pieces of equipment and they have their place, most certainly do. But there's another segment of the population that doesn't necessarily want a universal piece of equipment or for that matter, can't use yeah. a universal piece of equipment. So um, our goal and our mission is to be able to fulfill the needs of that, that, you know, albeit small segment of the population that needs something different, that wants something different. Um, we do everything in-house from, I mean, the only thing that we're not doing currently is powder coating. Uh, we do all of our own paint, we do all of our own welding, all of our own fabrication, all of our own stitch work, uh, all of our own design work, all of our own CNC programming. Uh, we are uh, a one-stop shop. And when you deal with us, you deal with myself and Brian. Yeah. And it was interesting because I had had uh, I had had a Mike Box chair for about five years. And Mike is one of the best people on the planet, Flexible. best in the game. Like if you're interested in a manual chair and you are looking for literally some of the best on the market. Even if you're just like <laughs> down for a conversation. A good time. He's a wonderful, um, well, him, him and Allison and Morgan and yeah. just everybody. Bono, so, they're wonderful humans. Yeah, and he's incredible. And Ty had the opportunity to go to Texas and actually apprentice with him to build my, I would say my first custom manual chair because I did have a manual chair before that, but it wasn't a fully custom job. So Ty and Mike built my chair custom for me five years ago, believe it or not. And uh, we I was ready for something new. Um, and I knew that Ty wanted to go into building these new accessibility uh, devices. And so I said, well, I'll be your guinea pig. And uh, we had something really exciting coming up that was going to give us some national TV exposure. And I asked him if he was up for the challenge, and he did. He, he and Brian and our, our buddy Guy really just blew it out of the water, and the chair is incredible. Um, she, her name is uh, Betty Wheels, <laughs> because we named my car Betty White. Um, and the idea was to make it as functional for me as possible. Um, so what are some of the things on my chair that make it not only staff friendly, but also customized for me. We did a couple of things differently. Um, so we custom cut your forks. So for the front wheels are your casters, uh, and then the forks are what the casters are mounted on. Um, what we did is we changed the trail, which is how far from the pivot point back to the center axle point, which I know for a lot of people, I'm probably speaking Greek, but <laughs> basically the, the, Gist of it is, uh, with having a little bit more trail, the chair wants to track straighter. So it's a little bit less maneuverable, but in the sense of like for someone like Steph with cerebral palsy, if you're pushing on a sloped sidewalk or a roadway that has some pitch to it, the chair wants to continue going straight more than taking a turn. So it's a little bit easier for someone who has um, a little bit more muscle impairment. Um, we also uh, we tried a little bit of an experiment. We bushing mounted the whole front end, which is really interesting. Um, you can actually see it work and absorb a lot of the, the basically has a dampening capability. 
Uh, the chair's aluminum, so I'm I'm very much on the mic box school of thought. With like, there's I know there's a lot of titanium magnesium chairs out there. Yeah. The problem is if you break them, you can't repair them. And what I mean by that is when you're in a pinch and you have to find a shop local somewhere, finding someone who can weld titanium or finding someone who can weld magnesium is going to be very difficult. Uh, aluminum chair that I know if you fly halfway across the world and that thing snaps, there's going to be some guy in India who can figure <laughs> it out for you. Yeah, well, uh, we'll say like um, we realized when we were um, doing the upholstery for the chair we, and I was testing different upholstery, when I sat a little too high, the chair uh, frame seemed a or the side guard seemed a little bit too snug. So he literally just banged out the side of it a little bit and it fit perfect so i thought that was pretty cool well, we built that's a, a mike box thing and i yeah. that to him i mean uh, one of the big complaints that you find uh for with dme providers is they'll say a mic or a box chair um you can't get it to track right and that's totally and completely false uh it's just you can't be afraid to break out the hammer yeah and, and betty wills is no different if it's uh, it's a rigid mounted chair there's no foot plate adjustment because it is built for you specifically yeah uh, another thing that we did um was so we went with the x cores on it um the x core is going to have a lot less wind up so for someone like steph once again you're not losing that power transition into the spokes uh trying solid core tires just to see how those work for a little while. It's a little squeaky right now. We're learning, yeah, but X core. I have to yeah. contact custom engineered wheels on that though, because yeah. I think they've. They, I would guarantee they've encountered that before. Yeah. Um, the, Only one wheel squeaks. So anytime somebody changes my wheels or puts them on, yeah, you know, transferring, it's you know one side sometimes. I'm like, oh, must have switched sides. <laughs> uh, we built the upholstery. The uh, backrest has adjustable bolsters in it. So um, the the plan was, if someone is dealing with some kind of pressure issue, you could manipulate the bolsters to alleviate that pressure or move it to a different position yeah. for whatever reason. Um, the sling is all modular, so everything comes apart. Um, you're not dependent on trying to make it fit you or making you fit the sling. It's the sling's going to fit you. Uh, the cushion we custom made just because I can't. Um, so uh, your uh, the initial question I made you you were not a fan of yeah no <laughs> but yeah. Um, but you know I think that's what's interesting about the experience too is it's trial and error and if you're gonna mess something up maybe you mess it up on your what before yeah. you know um I think the two things that are my favorite about my chair well I should say three because I love uh, I love the look of it I love the color of it so that's just the the powder coating painting paint job was incredible but we gotta give a shout out to guy at yeah what's his place um i can't remember oh my gosh i'm so sorry guy but he did an incredible powder coat job i'll I'll Um, put i'll put something in the video yeah we'll put it in the in the link section there um but i love the toe bracket and that was something that you and mike had created um, you know, five years ago, we did a little bit of a different toe bracket on this one just because of the growing pains of it all and like learning what works for my body and, and what works best for my feet. But I absolutely love the toe bracket. And then the most custom cool thing is if you turned the chair around, which we can show pictures of, um, it's the stay driven writing, crowd lightning head writing. Um, and the stay driven 
is really the beginning, or I should say the ending of hammer-driven fitness and the start of staying-driven fitness. So I think it's a pretty cool kind of touch to, you know, for people that don't even know what it is, if they just look at it. Oh, I've heard people say like, that's a really cool saying. And then you kind of get into why it's there. And the fact that it's my own handwriting is pretty cool. So, uh, but I'm really, really excited for you. Um, like I said, I know you don't like to talk about yourself and you don't really think of things as a full on success all the time. But if I can tell you anything, it's that you are one of the most talented human beings that I've ever met in my life. And you are changing the way people view the accessibility world. So I'm super stoked to see you building things and creating things and teaching Brian more about the accessibility world. Uh, hopefully we can continue making positive changes for yeah. folks. I mean, the whole reason that we started doing this was mainly just the, the point of people weren't listening. Uh, we have tons of friends who, you know, they go, I, w I worked at a DME supplier here and uh, it was a common occurrence. Like we, we honestly had more people come in who had gone to other shops, Shit. gotten brand new equipment, and it was so wrong. Like, like say the yeah. chair was supposed to be seventeen by fifteen, it would come in fifteen by seventeen, like completely reversed. Yeah. And the answer that the DME supplier who they purchased through, they'd say, "Well, okay, can we just put padding?" Or like it was ridiculous. Yeah, they didn't want anything to do with sending them a new frame or doing a new build. Yeah, they never wanted to listen, so they would just get frustrated, show up to uh, the DME that I worked at, and we would literally take all the bearings, the forks, the casters, and switch <laughs> them swap to a frame that was twenty years old in certain yeah. cases. People shouldn't have to do that, especially when even with insurance, people are still in some cases coming out of pocket with thousands and thousands of dollars. Well, talking about people that don't really listen um, and transitioning into something that I'm super proud of about your chair is we just traveled literally from going back to LA, coming back to Arizona, and then me traveling solo from Arizona to New York back to Arizona. And I will say that the chair did phenomenal and people would you know, people handling the wheelchair often, um, maybe they get nervous. Maybe they don't just don't know how to correctly handle the chairs. And that's why people have had so many problems. But the way that I've found it to be so successful is literally going up to the counter, getting my chair tagged, telling them all of the information they need to know about my chair, right? how much it weighs, what my smart drive is. Uh, is the smart drive allowed to come on the airplane? Yes, it is. <laughs> it's FAA regulated. Um, I just think back to the kid, uh, where were we? The little airport in California uh, where he was talking about, it. he's like, oh yeah, your chair folds. I'm like, no, uh, unless you got a really <laughs> strong person out yeah, there. No, that's not going to fold. But you know, when you come in with a step-by-step -step plan, right? So I go up to the counter, I get my chair tagged, give them all the information that they think that they need or know that they need. And then I go one step further. And if you ever have uh, an accessibility device that you're worried about handling, you have every right to ask for the crew chief. And the crew chief is the person that is in charge of the people that are handling your luggage and anything that goes underneath the plane. And so I went up, once I learned that, 
it was game over for me because once I knew that I had the right to talk to somebody that was in charge of literally taking my chair from one place to the next, I could tell them what they could or couldn't do with my chair and then make it a very serious conversation. Hey, you're handling something that is literally an extension of my legs, getting me from point A to point B. Now, I have a smart drive dial that's connected to my chair, and so it's um, mounted on the right side of my chair. So I always tell them if they have the ability to place the chair upright, place it upright. If you have no other choice but to turn it to its side, turn it to the left, right? But giving them these instructions has saved me <laughs> so much anxiety and just, yeah, so much money. Um, literally because I've been in situations where I'm completely solo and they've dropped my 350 pound wheelchair off the jetway and been like, oh, it's not turning on. <laughs> and you're like, huh, I wonder why. But you know, I mean, I hope people understand like this, it's not a shot at baggage yeah. handlers and it's not a shot at airline no. girls. It's just a simple point of people don't understand because they don't get exposed to it. You know, that's one of the things that we talked about was it'd be cool if we got the opportunity to actually go to the airline and like actually to like a baggage company and actually kind of do a little breakdown for them and and have a power chair user have some other folks. Yeah. Because even, I mean, we have friends that, um, you know, people assisting them transfer, you know, like in or out of the transfer chair on the plane, like it can get pretty squirrely. And I also have learned that some people don't know the difference between having an aisle seat on an airplane and needing an aisle chair. Now, one of the requirements that I have when somebody's booking a flight for me, I will tell them I need an aisle seat because it's a lot safer for me to be able to get in and out of the plane if God forbid, God forbid there was any issue or if I needed to use the restroom. But personally, I do not need an aisle chair. An aisle chair is something that people who don't have the ability to walk Uh, will use to be able to get on and off the plane. And so kind of learning that not everybody has that, what we think is common knowledge is not really always that common, right? And so it's been really interesting over the last few years even to realize how empowering it is when you have this type of information. I didn't know I could ever ask somebody or talk to somebody about how they handle a chair. I just thought you just like, prayed and then you were you know you hoped for the best one thing i'll I'll say too that is definitely a a perk for for with with you i should say is you are i I joke and call you the mayor because you've never met a stranger like we go to the airport (laughs) you make friends with everyone at every counter i mean we we get the the people at Annie annie's you know they're they're friends (laughs) and just that's how it works like you talk to everyone so When we actually get to the baggage counter, you're so nice and engaging with everyone that people want to help. Yeah. You know, you're not running up going, hey, upgrade me to first class. You're just, your first thing out of your mouth is like, hey, how are you today? Like, And that's a pretty rare thing. We were um, we were going to LA for, I guess we could talk about why we were there because now it's already aired. Um, so why were we in LA a few weeks ago? We went to the Jennifer Hudson show. You asked me like, you don't know this? <laughs> We went to the Jennifer Hudson show. That was pretty freaking cool. Um, we got to be on the Jennifer Hudson show. Jennifer Hudson was uh, like, Colby. <laughs> Jennifer Hudson was awesome. LDT, Col- awesome. Colby was even more awesome, and Little Lini was the best. But 
I got to be on the Jennifer Hudson show with Colby, my great friend Amanda, and we, oh, Amanda and, Colby. <laughs> and we got to talk about our friendship and what it was like to uh, not only just become friends, but be a mentor to Colby, and also how incredible you know Colby is as a little girl and and what her life looks like. But to be able to talk about just reality and show CP in such a beautiful, positive light was really cool. So, um, but that travel experience was interesting because we weren't the one booking the travel. So going back to that situation, when they booked the travel, initially we were set to be really far back uh, on the airplane. And we were ready to deal with it if we needed to. It was about an hour flight. But I went up to the counter, told them what I uh, needed as far as uh, immediate need for my chair. And then I I just said, you know, if you happen to have anything closer, would you be willing to move us up close? We don't need to travel first class. Just You buttered that bread. <laughs> you walked to the first thing you said when you got up to the counter. You were like, oh, hi, you're very beautiful. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. So nice. Yeah, that's exactly how it went. And, and you engaged the person yeah. about what's your name. And you talked But to at them. the same time, it's better than the guy behind you. No, no, actually. Eric Estrada. Uh, I don't want to go into that. You know, he, was, he was super nice to his fans, though. I have to say that. He, he was. was. He he took everybody who recognized him. He took the time to take pictures with one on. I really give him props. <laughs> okay. But there was a no. You 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 would you would actually talk to a person, not a position. Right. And, and that's so pretty cool. They were able to move us up a little bit closer, make sure that you know we were able to get to our seat safely. And so I think that just having that communication, like you were talking about, you know, treating somebody like a person. Rather than, hey, do your job, I think that they find that refreshing, right? And again, like, your buddy Wes, right? I met Wes because he was um, he was helping me with my bags at the airport. And instead of just saying thank you and help me and move this and move that, I engaged in conversation with him. I learned that he was learning to become a welder. He was going to school to become a welder. And he and Ty hit it off as friends. And I think it's just part of my nature. I've never I've never met a stranger, I don't think. Um, but I also think that that's why we have something like a podcast now. And why it's so enjoyable to be able to do. It's not to talk about necessarily ourselves, but to just be able to share information with people. I think in the disability community, adaptive community, everything seems overwhelming sometimes and a lot of times people see it in a negative light or just even people in the adaptive community sometimes like you and I will see certain things and I just want to like shake the person and be like it's gonna be okay you know and well we can there's a we could do a whole series of episodes on this but I mean uh, for, for me, the, the big catalyst was I was working at, at Leading Wheelchair Lift and Sport um, in Tempe, Arizona. And Jeff, the owner, is known for being just an OG good guy. Um, we had a couple a customer come in. It was a father and a son. Son was newly injured, spinal cord injury. Um, when they came in, um, dad starts right away 
Jeff's as, as high and then the guy goes right into my son needs this. He needs this. He needs that. He needs the other thing and this. And just starts running down a list. Jeff lets the guy finish, was very polite about it. And then looked at the kid. The kid was so downtrodden. It was ridiculous. He was looking at the floor and he's sitting in a hospital chair. And uh, Jeff looks at him and says, hey, how are you? And all of a sudden the kid lit up. And it's it's really a lot of times it's kind of the societal pigeonhole that they try and stick you guys in. And I hate to say that, but it it's it's pretty true. You know, a lot of people think that the it's the the whole inspiration factor and whatnot. Yeah. Like, no, man, you guys are people too. Just because you use an accessibility device or have some form of different ability doesn't make you any less or different. People should be inclined to start a conversation, but yeah. people should be inclined to engage others regardless of what they look like or who they are. And for those that see me on the video, what I just did, I literally just had to readjust my body because I started feeling like I was falling out of the chair, but it's become such part of our life that like we just kind of continue uh, continue in the motion. Just another Saturday. But uh, I'm really excited to be back. I'm really excited to bring you guys some new episodes it's uh, not always going to be just you and I chatting. We're going to find some people with some pretty incredible stories. Um, I know we had some amazing episodes before this. So if you, uh, if this is your first time. Go back and watch the episode with Kate. It's hilarious. Yeah. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, take a few minutes, maybe on, uh, you know, a drive or on your lunch break and just check it out and see some different stories we've had some incredible guests on and I'm hoping that in the future we're going to have even more and hopefully we'll be able to just make you feel like your voice is being heard because this is a podcast with you in mind. Uh, I've wanted to create this for a long time and I'm just so excited that you're listening and that we are back. Thanks so much for listening. See you guys next time.